From OFS, I'm Doug Shapiro. This is the Imagine a Place podcast, where we explore the power of place and the role of design in our lives. Over the last 10 years, Gensler's Todheiser has emerged as one of our industry's most creative and big thinking leaders in workplace design. And you're about to find out why. Sure, Todd Heiser knows his stuff when it comes to workplace. Stick around till the end when he presents his vision for the future of workplace. But what I really love about Todd is his simple sincerity. He's so honest in this interview and he's so generous with his passion and advice. There are some nuggets of wisdom in here that apply to any designer at any point in their career. Enjoy my interview with Todd. Today, I, I, I was kind of imagining this conversation with you, and it was hard to imagine having one central theme because there's so much I want to explore. So I, I kind of imagined these like three chapters, like there's there's Todd as this person that I want right. to learn about, and then there's Todd as the leader and teammate, and so I have some specific questions around that, and then, of course, I want to explore your thoughts as an expert in workplace. So I right. kind of, I'd love to kind of walk us through those three things. I love that. All right. Well, I'm going to jump right in with a with a topic that you love and something that has a little mystery about it because you kind of wonder, well, where did that come from? What is it about? <laughs> what is it about sneakers? That's what I want to know. Oh, so um, that's such a great question. Uh, so it's not really just about sneakers. Uh, it's a little more than um, sneakers. I, um, I think at my core, I love... Uh, products. Uh, I, I think consumer products is such an interesting, you know, world. Uh, mm. And I think my love of fashion and my love of design uh, are really an important uh, intersection for the way I practice. And so why sneakers? Uh, because I think um, you, you know me pretty well. I believe there's kind of an authenticity, come as you are. Uh, you know, uh, mm. I, th I think in design often, you know, people, uh, maybe they bring airs. And there's something interesting about throwing on, a, you know, an interesting pair of sneakers or, you know, just something unexpected that I think uh, makes you really approachable. Uh, I love a good time. I have a, a really, I'd, I'd like to think that I have a good sense of humor, that I love fun. And I think there's a disarming quality about, you know, just throwing on something that isn't expected, you know, that little twist um, that just makes people, you know, ask a question or maybe um, it becomes a, you know, a conversation starter, just something to, you know, to, to, to engage another person. And I, and I think oftentimes, I, I think it's almost kind of like a, a way to get to know someone or maybe a little bit about their personality without having to completely know who they are. And I think kind of at a base level, I, I, I really, I mean, I do love fashion and I love, um, you know, design. And I think that, that, you know, my sneaker collection, which is pretty epic, uh, <laughs> is just a way to express the intersection of those two worlds. Yeah. I, 
there's a, there's a few things there I love that you shared. And man, I'd love to have a picture of that sneaker collection for the landing page of this podcast. That'd be really cool for yeah. our listeners to be able to I'll, see. What, I'll give you that. Awesome. Awesome. And I, you know, of course I, I agree with this, you know, with this intersection of fashion and product design, and there's so much there, but I also love this disarming quality that you use those words. And I'll share a little personal tidbit yeah. too. And I, and I never understood this until even just very recently, okay, so my uncle, um, who had recently passed, he he always wore a hat that had a pin on it. It was just a plain blue hat, but it had a pin of Bugs Bunny, okay? And, you know, he's, he's an older gentleman. Amazing. And and I, it, it was much later in life where I, when I asked him, like, why, why do you always wear that hat? And his answer was exactly the same as yours. It was like, you know, because who could... Who could be mad at someone in a Bugs Bunny hat? You know, it was like a, it was a conversation starter. It was a way to just kind of bring right. down the walls right away. I love that. I mean, I, yeah, I, that's the best story. Yeah, it's it's exactly what you go for. Yeah, the world needs humor. And I think, you know, I, I think a lot of it's a really weird analogy, but I think a lot about color. And I think a lot about, um, you know, when you choose something that's interesting to wear, or, you know, to put on a different pair of shoes. And I think about, I often look in my closet and kind of think about the colors and the texture. And it may be a weird analogy, but at my base as a designer, I start to think about, you know, when you mix kind of color or pattern or texture, that is really um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and I was talking with, uh, you know, a friend, Cheryl Durst. And I think that if you, if you start to if you start to break some of these concepts down into ways, visual ways that people can understand that the world's a big place, there's a lot of colors, textures, patterns, ideas, thoughts, and words. I think for me, it's like, I don't want, I don't want, you know, one day to be the same as the next. I always want it to be fresh. And I think if you, if you, you know, if, if you approach life in that way that you want to surround yourself with all of those um, differences, as opposed to a lot of the sameness, I think, uh, you know, it's just a more exciting, approachable place to live. And I think that, but I, I love, you know, the story that you shared about, um, you know, Bugs Bunny, because I think it's hard to be, uh, to feel like a person who has that on their hat is, is serious or isn't approachable. Yeah. And I loved how you described that, that you're kind of acknowledging that the world is a big place and you're doing it through the choices you make. That's really cool. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, every day you have the opportunity to go out of your house and you have the opportunity to, you know, do something interesting to present yourself in a um, in a fresh way. And I, I, I've, I always love, I mean, I'm a huge people watcher and I just enjoy sitting any place and watching people and thinking about, you know, like, why did they choose this and what does this say about them? And I love this kind of idea that everything speaks, right? I think our mm. body language speaks, what we're wearing speaks, how we say hello to someone speaks, I mean, how we're kind to someone. And I think at my core, uh, you know, that's probably one thing that I, I love putting myself into situations where I have to kind of absorb and ask myself, like, what is this person's experience and what were they? That's the best thing about design, that we get to put ourselves in roles, that we have to ask ourselves, who's going to use this? How are they going to use it? What are they going to wear when they come in this space? What are they going to be feeling in this space? And I think it, it really allows you to think about you know, people and, and, and how they might be comfortable or uncomfortable um, in a space. Gosh, it's almost like the way you're describing this, it's almost like what I would imagine the career of an actor 
or an actress to be like, you know, <laughs> where they, amazing. yeah, like they, they, they need to imagine themselves as a, as a coach of a basketball team, you know, like how, how do you even get into that mindset? And you almost have to kind of like get into this meditative state where you insert yourself into that person and imagine that life. And like, that is, it's almost like the way you speak about kind of people watching and then, okay, like, okay, you make these choices for yourself um, every day, but then, yeah, you know, every day you, you, you step into the doors of your office or your home office, whatever it is, uh, you, you're making choices now for, you're getting other people dressed. It's kind of interesting. I think it's so interesting that you point that out. Cause the other thing that I think, um, you know, it makes me, th me think of, especially through the particularly difficult time that we've been through is that, you know, people want to be thought of as people. They're not, you know, metrics, yeah. really individuals. And, and I think that one of the shiny bright spots of, the virtual world is that, you know, we've seen people in vulnerable situations. We've probably seen our coworkers in, you know, in ways they wouldn't present themselves in the office wearing a baseball hat or, you know, maybe in pajamas when they just couldn't figure it out that morning. And I think that, um, you know, you see them in their surroundings and the situation um, with, you know, their kids and their partners and their pets, their fears, their goals. And that for me, I mean, it puts you in a space. I, I love the reference of, of an actor because we're not acting. We all actually have to sign on to these calls. And we have had to do this for the last two years and be vulnerable and express the fact that, you know, we, you know, this, this is, this is our surroundings. This is, this is, this is us, all of us. And oftentimes I think when you come to a, a place, you can, uh, you can create a persona of yourself that may not mm. be who you are. I agree. And it's harder to do that when you're in your house on a call. In Zoom. Yeah, it is. And that, that persona, actually, I, I don't want to call it a, yeah, I guess it, it, it is a problem, but I, I think that just the nature of our workplace relationships will change so much just through changing that. And I think that creativity yeah out of the box thinking, people feeling safe to share ideas and not be judged. I mean, there's so much rooted in this idea of drop the veil, you know, and be yourself. Yeah. I that is amazing. And I, you know, I I as we were kind of um I was reading through your uh, notes about this podcast. I think that coming out of this, I I I'll just I'm going to go back to your actor analogy. You know, I think coming out of this, everyone wants more partnering. They want more storytelling. They want value setting and co-creation. And I think, you know, people want less of self-referencing. Aesthetics is value. And, you know, this constant rinse and repeat. I think that, that it's really important that coming out of this, that authenticity and the ability to tell stories um, is really important uh, because I think it, um, you know, it, it, it means for me that it's something of value, something worth keeping. I mean, we've shed so much of our experience and probably gained a lot over the past, you know, little bit. But I think it's really important. I always, you know, ask people, are you a storyteller? Because I think as a designer, you've got to be one. Mm. When you, let's go a little deeper on storytelling, okay? Because, you know, I don't know if, if this is something, if this is a quality that you've always had, or if this is a discovery that you went through. I agree. Storytelling is an important skill and there's so many different ways to do it. It may not be the way that you first think of when you hear that phrase, 
So can you help me break down storytelling and how, how do we grow that? Yeah, well, I mean, for, for me, it's really important. I, I joke a lot of times that, you know, I, I, I want the teams that I work with. I, I've been teasing them throughout the pandemic. You don't want everyone to give more of a damn. Mm. I want them to approach situations with passion, personality, and drive. And I, I don't ever want to come to a situation, and I don't want to be presented in a situation where someone says, well, this is the way that I do it. And I think what's interesting when you engage in any creative process, if you ask someone just simply, you know, to go off on their own and spend a little time and build a story, you know, have a character, understand where the story arc is, what's their conflict, what, you know, is their passion, you know, build out a person that, or a space, give it some life, actually tell us what it looks like and really understand, you know, what, what, what are the, what are the pillars of storytelling that, that are going to occur for you? And oftentimes when you ask teams to do that from young to old, you'll get this really rich tapestry of individual points of view that to me is just brilliant because you would never get those if you went to, if, I, if we were in a room together and I said, you know, before we kicked off the project, if I just said, okay, well, this is the story for this. And I told you like, this is the, this is actually what this, this entire project is about, or this is what this entire space is about, or this is what, you know, this entire event that we're going to do is about. I think sometimes we lose an opportunity um, for you to say to me, well, this is, I want to, I want to kind of tell you a story about what I see. And then I tell you a story of what I see. And I think it's this, this shifting perspective that allows us to say, like, I had absolutely no idea that you think that this should be this, and I think it should be this. And I think if you kick off any kind of endeavor with that, whether it's a project or a relationship or, a, you know, a, a, an event, I mean, pretty much anything, you, you get a perspective and a point of view from a person and they feel listened to and they have an opportunity to build a story. And then out of that, I think you can you can really start to blend that. And for me, and maybe this is kind of a trite way to say it, you can you can you can weave those storylines together. Mm. You get a character richness in a space. And I think if you never take the time to ask someone like, what do you think? Or what would you love this to be? Or what what what's your story? You miss out on a huge opportunity, I guess a listening opportunity, uh, to to find out what something means to someone else. Wow. I absolutely love that. And what a great best practice to kind of pull into your, you know, design philosophy and process. I love it. Uh, you know, there, the word story is uh, actually shows up in a question that I have in this first chapter of exploring you, uh, which is, do you have a favorite story from your childhood that you love to tell? Uh, yeah, I do actually have a favorite story. I grew up in a in a family. I'm I'm the youngest by a long shot. Most of my brothers and sisters were uh, quite a bit older than me, and I had an amazing grandmother, like the coolest grandmother. And I think I really struggled as a child. I mean, I was uh, pretty overweight. Uh, I was pretty chunky, little or husky, as they would have said at the time. Kid, you know, I had this grandma that uh, would would really. Uh, paint the world for me in such an interesting way. And I have this very distinct memory of uh, going to a restaurant with my grandma. Um, it was actually, it was a fa fancy hotel. We were having brunch and, uh, you know, I was 
probably a weird little kid. Uh, and I, uh, I like sweet things probably as much as a lot of kids do. Uh, and I went up to this table that was like a dessert table, right? It's kind of probably any buffet that anyone has been to and I took too much, right? Like I just loaded up my plate with all this stuff. There was a person in the restaurant that that came over and they, they scolded me. They were like, you can't take that. And you know, this is too much. And my, my grandma got up and she um, was so... The way she dealt with the situation is probably one of the most memorable experiences in my life. She grabbed the entire tray of sweets off of the table in the restaurant and walked and placed it on our table. And she said, this is a buffet. And, you know, and, and, and the whole experience of this is about people coming together and making choices. And you just, you know, you just completely, you know, shut him down and you have the opportunity to just like say like hey do you want to choose one of those and she said I just want to remind you that you know the things that you say they have impact on people and I've always loved that story I don't know what it is about that story it's probably that I, I shouldn't have taken everything on it right I shouldn't have taken everything but I think the way that she um the, the way that she dealt with it she's an amazing woman just an amazing woman and uh, just the way she dealt with that situation always sticks with me that, you know, she always chose kindness. All right, there's some more, more questions I have um, about you as a leader and a teammate. Um, I began to think, you know, how, what are some of the gems that Todd can help teach us and understand. And I know you've been a mentor and I've heard the expression that you don't choose mentors, mentors choose you. And so I wanted to talk about recognizing potential. Are there are things that you look for in young designers that are, you know, wanting mentorship or, or wanting to grow their career. What are some of the qualities and things that you're you're kind of searching for? So I, I love this question. Uh, it's a great one. Um, and it takes me back to one of my most important mentors in my life at my first job, um, worked for this incredible guy named, uh, Gary Lampman. Uh, he was actually, he was an out landscape architect and I was an intern and he saw a huge potential in me. At the time, I was, uh, it was finishing up a graduate program. And he told me that if in my entire life, I would uh, always think about design, I would, I would do more, I would draw more, I would produce more, I would, I would create what was asked of me, and then do a little bit more um, to push the team that I was working on, I would never be, uh, you know, in a, in, in a place where, um, you know, I, I, I would find myself, uh, you know, lacking of creative opportunities. Mm. And I think the first thing that I look for uh, in team members is this intentionality and engagement and hunger. 
uh, I love to work with young teams. Uh, I love to work with people that are just out of, you know, school. I love to work with as much talent as I, as I can and really, um, you know, see that hunger, that drive, that attitude uh, to give them the latitude, you know, as we talked about to build their story, to push mm. real hard, to push me really hard. I'm, a, I'm, I'm kind of an open book and I love it when a young person, uh, you know, really pushes me and tells me I, um, I, I think that's wrong or mm. I'd love to do it this way. And maybe that's a, a hallmark of when I can see potential in someone is when they have the courage and the, you know, the, the backing to come to a person who's, you know, pretty established. I've been doing this a long time and engage in a dialogue and push them. Uh, to me, that is just, it, it's this mark that a person is somewhat fearless and they mm. have the ability to communicate their idea and, and, and they're so engaged in the creative process. They're so intentional about where they want to go. Um, and they're, and they're backing it up with ideas and drawings and, you know, colors and materiality that for me, it just makes me want to give them, you know, all of the opportunity in the world. And, and, you know, edit their work and actually engage in this really rich dialogue. And when you see that in young talent, I think you have to harness it. You have to accelerate it. You have to encourage them. You have to be the, the great editor for them. You have to tell them mm. when it's too much. I mean, it's just this invitation to an incredible conversation that, that you have to enable in that talent. And, I, and it kind of goes back for me into that idea, you know, when we started this of a story. You have the opportunity when someone brings an idea to you to say, you know, oh, not that. This is what I was expecting. But if you really look and if the person really brings it, right, if they, if they bring that energy, if they bring the solution, I so often have been blown away by team members that I work with that, that bring something to me that is beyond my wildest expectations. It, it literally it blows my mind. And I love, I, I taught for a long time. I was just surprised and delighted with students and now kind of the talent that I work with when they push me and they bring it at such a high level that, you know, they expand the vision that I have beyond my wildest dreams. And that is just, it's so important for me to build a, a collaborative process. And I don't love that word collaborative, but an inclusive process, an inclusive design process that, you know, that you know everyone's welcome but if you're gonna come you better come with you know an idea and a point of view because i always joke with people listen if you're asking me what i would do that's what i would do that's not design i'm asking you to tell me what you want to do because that's what we all need to do as designers right i mean whether you're a month out of school or you've been doing this for you know 50 60 years the fluency of our practice of creativity is it, it's a universal language everyone can participate in that and whether you have one month or 50 years your fluency can be as relevant as you know anyone else's i i love that point of view and i love how you're challenging uh you know the the youth to to be bold and take risks that's actually uh you know, this, this idea of being bold and taking risks is interesting to me because, 
you know, you're in a profession where um, there's a lot at stake, right? The outcome yeah. is big and important. There's a lot of money involved. Just with those factors alone, it it makes it probably makes people naturally very risk averse, right? Because yeah, it's uh, it's a tough profession to justify risks, but we have to take risks to move forward and and to ultimately to probably give give people what they had hoped for and more. How how do that how do that how does that balance it, itself out? Well, I think if we're going to create anything in, you know innovative, uh, we have to step into a uh, you know a, a, a scary space. I mean, you have to step into a space where you potentially could fail. Uh, but I think it's all about, you know, a series of guardrails. I mean, if you're uh, creating opportunity mm. for young talent, you also have to be the guardrails on the side of the road that says, you know, like, hey, well, you, you need to think about this or this could be a potential risk. And uh, luckily, I think a collaborative team, you know, the it, I, I love the phrase, no one knows as much as everyone. And I think, you know, the risk goes away if you invite more people to the party, because if you have, you know, a fantastic technical architect, uh, amazing technical designer, you have an incredible project manager, you have a person that is just thinking constantly about a different detail. Uh, you know, that for me is that, you know, it's checks and balances, but, you know, it's the idea that no one knows as much as everyone. So we create a space by surrounding ourselves with others that actually will you know, they'll, they'll shine a spotlight on something and say like, hey, I, I think this is going to put us in a bad space or, you know, this isn't going to look great or we should think through this. You know, you can you can evaluate all the all the opportunities. But, but you know, you, you probably go in a lot of the spaces that that, that I do. Um, there are so many missed opportunities for incredible design. And I think that's probably because, mm. um, you know, I think at times we are too safe. We don't take the risk. We do something that is comfortable versus something that, that really, uh, you know, it, it, it has the opportunity to communicate in a different way. You know, as you're speaking about this too, I'm, I had this little, um, analogy in my mind here. So, you know, we, we collect so much data now and they say that all this big data we have, we only use like 1% of it, right? <laughs> right. And I and I even wonder, you know, like all the iterations in design that we go through, right? right? And all the ideas that didn't make it. Like don't you wonder like how like, we only we only see such a tiny fraction of the design that actually mm -hmm. happens in the world. And it's kind of it's kind of amazing when you think of that like how much design there really is. I think actually so many of the things that end up on the cutting room floor uh, you know, they become fragments or pixels of, you know, a next project. And, you know, I, mm. I love to travel. I love to take photos. I love to think about, you know, ideas that we explored and um, kind of feel like it, they become part of your memories, if you will, right? Like, as designers, I mean, our brains are constantly like processing information. And I think kind of, you know, those ideas that, that don't end up in a project because of whatever reason or, you know, colors, actually color stories that didn't work out, they permanently attach themselves, you know, in your, in your, your brain. And, and, and for me, at least, I'm kind of thinking all the time, I'm voraciously, like, hungry for information. I'm notoriously, like, 
you know, looking at images and thinking about, you know, teams and thinking about, you know, drawings and sketching things. But I feel like they always stick with me. And I have a little bit of a, uh, you know, I, I, I have a little bit of a photographic memory and I'm like constantly bringing them back and, and, and pulling out images and using images with teams. And, and a lot of times the dialogues of teams that I have, I'll say like, oh, remember when we wanted to do this, but, but then if we add this onto it, it becomes this opportunity to kind of make it fresh. And so I don't think, you know, the ideas really ever die. Um, they, uh, you know, maybe they, maybe they just kind of go into a, a purgatory for a little bit until, you know, they're, they're, they're ripe. Mm. I love, I love that. I love the idea of them being like fragments or pixels. Those two words, I mean, it, it really does, it really does paint a picture of like, how every idea comes from all this influence around us and included in that are all the previous ideas that didn't make it. And it's pretty, it's really interesting to, to know that, you know, like that's why we need to share our ideas. Even if they're wild and silly, you share them because it's the stepping stone to the next one, you know? Right. And I think, you know, all of our lives are based on experiences and, you know, I think if you if you think about your personal life or, you know, maybe how you you grew up, I mean, it really builds your persona, your character. Well, design is the same way. I mean, if you had an opportunity with a client on a project, I mean, frankly, clients are amazing to me because if you have a client that pushes you and actually really encourages you to be bold and pull ideas out, they get this canvas of like amazing pixelation and color versus a client that's constantly you know, trying to design themselves, I, the, the opportunity for a richer dialogue is just it's so much better. I think when, when, you know, I have a client that really is just, it's, they're really engaged in the process and they're pushing and they're, frankly, I think the best clients are a little bit difficult, right? They're constantly pushing you to do more mm -hmm. and they're asking the right questions. And so I, I think, you know, with designers, I often, I often kind of tease, I have one client, I, I, I always tease him and I, I say, um, I see so much potential in you and he always laughs and I, um, I always joke with him, he's an amazing developer and I'm, I'm always like, you have such vision and I, I see such potential in what mm. you see in these projects. And so for me, it isn't just designers often that will push me, it's a way to think about a project or a way to fund a project or a way to kind of think about the mix of a project as well that's so interesting. I love that. I absolutely love it. All right. I, I have to, I have to ask you a couple worth workplace questions or maybe just one. I'll ask you one great workplace question. Uh, I want you to take us out of the echo chamber of our industry and, and maybe give us a, a fresh look at five years from now. And so I guess the, the question would be what are the significant physical differences in the workplace five years from now? So, you know, I recently um, had, a, had a, a lot of opportunity to think about this. And I think, you know, I, I'll actually not even go five years from now. I'm going to go, you know, a year and a year and a half from now. People want a mm -hmm. workplace that provides them a platform to thrive. And I think when you, when you think about thriving, it's this um, joint experience of creativity and learning. 
And it probably means something a little different for each person, but for the most part, it means offering them flexibility and choice and supporting their physical, mental, and emotional well-being and placing connectivity and equity at the forefront, right? That, that I think, is, is, is really this idea about thriving. And I keep telling teams that, that for me, it's vitality over viability. So I think the workplace of the future has to be present, authentic, and alive versus just there. So I think, you know, the workplace of the future is going to be all about vitality over viability. And I see probably a lot of workspaces that, that you like, like you do. And you, you think, yeah, this is a, a fine place. It's a totally viable place to work. But when you walk into a space that is really about kind of vitality and it seems to be this living, thriving organism, it's like, wow, this is just an amazing place. So, so you ask about, you know, specific things. I think that um, we're going to see over the next five years a rapid adoption of technology. I think technology is going to blow our minds. And I have a good friend, uh, Larry Keeley, who always tells me if, I, if he told me that I was in the most, you know, an era of explosive change, would I believe him more than we've probably ever experienced on, you know, the earth, I, you know, that I think we're going to, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to embrace that. We're going to have to embrace the future of technology. I think we are going to braid um, the physical and digital experience. I think it's going to be really important. I think the, um, you know, when I, when I think about, when I tell you a story about what I think that the future of workplace is, um, I think it is, I'm going to go back to the beginning of the, the conversation. I think it's going to be space with um, color and texture and materiality and not the ubiquity that we've seen of, you know, office spaces over the past, you know, probably since, you know, the mid 90s or, you know, 2000. I think we're going to we're going to see companies embrace different styles of working, different mm. postures. We're not going to specify one color of workstation for, you know, a, a population. We may have some some wood. We may have some, you know, black workstations. We may have some some white workstations, you know, and, and it's funny to 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 kind of have this conversation come full circle, but you know, what you decide to wear to the office and what I decided to wear to the office are, are totally different things probably. And I often think about, okay, well, shouldn't we bring some of that same individuality and purpose to the office? What, what makes me and you want to sit in the same space when we walk into the office every day? So mm. I think that that diversity is really, you know, we need to push that. I think, you know, shifting from fixed to fluid is really important uh, as well. And so I think that, you know, we spent so much time over the past 10 years talking about, you know, and we've researched this at our, at our firm a lot about open or closed, right? We were constantly in this dialogue around open or closed. And I think the short answer is both, but maybe spaces that really, you know, think about people as people, as I said, not as metrics. And, you know, acknowledging the fact that you may want to come into the office one day and you may want to borrow an office to work in for a little bit. Mm. Uh, but the next day you want to be out with your team at a communal table. And so for, for me, the office of the future is going to be really exciting. And I think it's going to look a lot different than the offices we've seen in the past. I think they're going to look more like, uh, you know, the lobbies of buildings or hotels that we're starting to see the best restaurant you've been to, you know, with, with, with spaces with liveliness and spaces with, um, you know, more quiet. 
And I think they're going to be, you know, significantly more ecosystem. They're going to be, they're going to be a, a, an ecosystem that really encourages people to thrive and not just exist, not just show up at eight and leave at five mm. kind of, and, and sit in the same space all day. I, I love the picture that you've painted us. Um, I, I'm imagining it and I'm imagining this way of working and this sort of, in this diverse and interesting environment to show up at every day. And I'm excited about it. I love your choice of words. I mean, I, I wrote down so <laughs> many of them, you know, the fixed, you know, moving from fixed to fluid and vitality uh, over viability, braiding the physical and digital. I mean, what a what an interesting concept, okay? There's so much that I've written down here in such a short time. I'm going to have to just re-listen to this and let this soak in. Uh, <laughs> thank you, funny. Todd. What an awesome interview. You did so well, and uh, there was just so much good storytelling and insight in here. Thanks, Doug. I mean, I, I miss you. I mean, I, I miss our our conversations. and You know, we have so many mutual friends, and I, I think, um, you know, it, it it's kind of like we, we spent two years apart, but it seems like we, you know, snapped our fingers and it's been two weeks. And so, um, you know, I, I can only imagine when we get back together, it's going to be like the best party because, it, you know, we'll have we'll have that opportunity to reconnect and, you know, catch up on what, you know, we've been missing. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would really appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. To discover more design stories, visit us at OFS.com slash imagine a place. From OFS, I'm Doug Shapiro, and you've been listening to Imagine a Place. <laughs>